Seeing as Father's Day, I'll tell you a wee story, and it's a bit of a lead-in. Um, if you're going to follow with me in the Bible, I'm only reading two verses today, but it's page 1080 in the Auditorium Bibles, and they're spread about the room if you want to get one in preparation. My dad got kicked out of the church, or rather he didn't bother to come back when he was accused by the vicar of starting a punch-up in the church hall. And uh, he did what young fellows did, he just kept walking away, and he led a pretty high and happy life, and uh, after he served in the war, he was posted to Haifa in the Middle East and was there for a number of years. And in all that time, he didn't darken the doorstep of a church. And he thought he had a pretty good reason why not, because the vicar had accused him of something he didn't do. Anyway, he came back to church when I was born. He became unfailingly regular, and one thing led to another, but he obviously saw that it was important for me and my sister, or my sister and me, to know the Lord. One of the first things I learned as a boy at church was this hymn. God who made the earth, the air, the sky, the sea, who gave the light its birth, he cares for me. Maybe you learnt that as one of the first hymns when you were young. God who made the earth, because God did. The Bible begins with God portrayed as a worker, a speaker, fashioning, designing, crafting, sculpting. God makes. God makes. And alongside this affirmation, in Ephesians chapter 2, we have these verses from Paul, beginning at verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are part of that handiwork. God, who made light and matter and space, he made time, he made the seas, he made the land, and his capping glory is you and me, humankind. Julian Dory, who we know well, has written, God is the original worker in the Bible and at the beginning of all time. God is a builder and architect. These are all scripturally true words. God is a builder and architect, a teacher, a composer and performer, a metal worker, a clothing maker, a potter, a farmer, a shepherd, a tent maker and camper, an IT specialist. How do I know that? Because he gave Moses two tablets. And all of God's work we understand because there is a corresponding meaning between God 
and humankind. And it's ultimately humankind's redemption, God's healing at work in his creation that affirms God is the maker who has not simply, as it were, created a watch, wound it up, and walked away. God is intimately involved with his creation. Whatever you do, therefore, says Colossians chapter 3, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. God set it all in place in the beginning. He is, as Dory says, the original worker. But he also means for his creation to be preserved, to be governed, to be maintained, to be built up. And humankind works towards that aim, to continue what God has started. The principle of working with God to release the potential of his creation applies in many areas today, said Brian Hathaway. We are not involved in purposeless work. The reflection of God at work in us has purpose and meaning and builds. We are not an amorphous mess of attributes and skills, none of which come together. As I thought about this, I thought of a Heath Robinson construction. Heath Robinson was a cartoonist who drew many pictures of amazing things. And uh, if you want to see something of a Heath Robinson construct, go into E. Hayes and Sons. There's a machine in there that's made up of parts from all kinds of things. I'm sure it serves a purpose. I, I really don't know what it is. But there must be a simpler way of making a machine to achieve that purpose. And this is an illustration of Heath Robinson's. We are not made like Heath Robinson constructs. And we are not made to make things like Heath Robinson designed them. Everything in God hangs together for a purpose. How so? Well, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female he created them. And the whole of Genesis 1, followed by Genesis 2, is all about how God fashioned it and made it, conceived of it in the first place. You and me and everything else, everything else was created by God. Human creativity, says Peter Stewart, is within God's foundational and continuing work. So, God didn't make it and walk away. God has made us, as part of his purpose, to continue his good work. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it, says Genesis chapter 2. 
God wants us and he has ordained all of us to be workers at heart, workers in his image, following his pattern. The psalmist in Psalm 90 has this to say, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So what is the work of our hands? What should be the work of our hands? Paul to the Colossians says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through him to reconcile himself to all things. I'm reading um, Bill Richardson's book again, entitled Wheels and Deals. I found it a fascinating book on the first read, and I've now got a copy of my own. But in the book, Bill, who was a local businessman and entrepreneur, the man who started the H. WR group, quite a fascinating personality, speaks about the fact that his son Harold was killed in a motor accident. And he writes about the deep tragedy of losing his only son and heir. And I knew Harold because Harold was part of our church, a young married man who'd just joined our church. Harold talked like his father, thought like his father, was already running part of his father's empire when he was killed. Very sad. And of course, Bill's daughter, Joss, and her husband, Scott, have continued on the work that Bill started. But the prototype of father and son relationship working together, knowing the Father's heart and mind, goes back to Jesus Christ and his... uh, goes back to God and his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus knew his Father's business, knows his Father's business. And we, in turn, as followers of Jesus, know the Father's business through Jesus. Scripture tells us Christ in us. Christ is in us. And if Christ is in us, then we have our marching orders because we also know the Father's will. No small thing, no random thing. Returning to Paul then, Paul speaks about the work that God requires of us to continue to do. He speaks about the age-old plan of what God purposed for the earth and how we are to be part of restoring that plan, that creation through faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ. It depends on us, his people, Christ's followers. And this purpose is that all the earth, all people, God's people, Israel, yes, yes, even more so, God's people, Israel, are to ultimately be part of the restoration of God's purpose and his life on earth. We are exiled by our sinfulness, by our willfulness, by our waywardness. We are separated from God. 
But this is not how God purposed it. This is not God's plan. The work then is to be part of God's purpose. To be as it was in the beginning. As God saw it in God's mind's eye. As the architect and the engineer to bring this about. I love Tom Wright, you know that. Tom Wright, the theologian. And if you bear with me, there's a good story here. Listen to this. The violin maker has made beautiful instruments and has called musicians to make wonderful music with them. But the musicians have refused and have tried to play tunes on bits of scrappy wood and grass that they found lying about the place. It's no good for the violin maker to wring his hands and decide to do without the musicians. They are needed if the violins are to make the music they are supposed to make. He has to set about rescuing the musicians from their folly, not just for their own sake, because it is frustrating and dishonoring for them to try to get music out of lifeless objects, but because they are needed precisely to make the wonderful music he had in mind all along. We, in this part of God's vineyard at ICBC, are needed to be the musicians we have been trained and called out to be. As a church, we have declared that one of our priorities is to cultivate authentic faith. That means we will reinforce understandings of biblical foundations. And part of the reinforcement of understanding of biblical foundations is to realize that God was a God who worked. And Christ worked for the kingdom. And we are to work. Oh, that's not very spiritual, you may say. Rubbish. We are to encourage intentional spiritual practices. And part of that is to take God in our everyday into the world and to see where in the Spirit we are to set our hands, what we are to say, what we are to do. Encourage intentional spiritual practices. And finally, to help people to identify and operate in their spiritual gifts. Well, the spiritual gifts are really only for Sunday here in church, aren't they? No. Seven days a week, we take the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God out in what we do and think and say. So, Hopefully you're getting the picture that there is a difference between common work and good works. It says, Paul, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. So there is work and there are good works, says Paul, good works. And these good works are nothing less than the work of Jesus the Messiah. Stepping in behind him, healing creation, redeeming people and the planet in cooperation with God. After all, God made the earth. He purposed it. He has a plan for it. Whoever said God has said the plan has changed? No. No. So as we build into community salvation, as we build into the creation salvation, you greenies, listen up. We're supposed to be doing that. (laughs) As we care for people about us, not only the people in this church with us, We are about the work of God. And we take with us the fruit of the Spirit that arms us and equips us and enables us to be about this work. Love, joy, peace, patience. They're all over there on the banner in case you need a refresher. Our obligation is to be careful, to be fellow Christians amongst others, to be amongst those who are not even in our fellowship, to encounter, to benefit as it pleases God. Good works are not just any work. How I fill my hours to get my pay. How do you see your work? Some of you may say, you're not talking to me, mate, I'm retired. I haven't had work for a few years, even though I've wanted it. What's the point talking to me about worthwhile work? The picture of God at work is bigger than what we do, whether we scored that job or whether we didn't, whether we like our work or whether we don't. Could it be that how you see your work has locked out imagination from your thinking has destroyed creative imagination? Are you simply marching along to work probably five minutes late and leaving five minutes early and thinking at least I'm getting paid for this? Surely God has a plan and a purpose for us that not only includes our 40-hour week but includes all we do. And, you know, developing our work is an art form. It's outworking in us by the Holy Spirit, the plans and purposes of God. So if you're on the end of a shovel, how do you relate to the guy who's on a shovel next to you? If you're a hairdresser, are the words that you say encouraging to your client? If you're a teacher, have you noticed the child in your class who's really struggling with learning or some emotional issue? And what difference does it make? Surely in the Lord it makes all the difference. Paul writes to the Romans in this way about 
I think, good works. He says, so, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Thanks to the message for that interpretation, I quite like it. Is your life an offering? You are about the business of nothing short of the new age, the age of new creation, the restoration of God's original plan and purpose because of Jesus Christ. We are all about a new kind of work, a new kind of worship, telling a new message to a world that's old and tired and lacking answers. We are about new projects. New projects started and new projects continue. And the general principle is this. Says Paul to the Corinthians, each of you should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to you, just as God has called you. So you're retired. So you're without work. These passages don't apply to me, you say. Rubbish. They apply to you even more because in what people would say is a hopeless situation, maybe, although is retirement hopeless? I hope not. I'm getting close to it. You have opportunities every day to wave the flag, to be about the work of God. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And then again, he said, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. I've already hinted at it, but I think Jesus, I don't think, I know, Jesus fully embraced a Sabbath attitude to his work. His work was seven days a week. And you could say his work was also to rest on the seventh day to be recharged. He was tasked to do this so that when he returned to the five or six day week, he was charged and equipped and ready when Jesus healed a blind man on the Sabbath, he said he was about his father's work. He said, so that the works of God might be displayed in him, that is the blind man, but also in Jesus. Jesus' vocation, his call, ran in parallel with Ephesians chapter 2, you see. We are told that God finished the work he had been doing on the seventh day and he rested from his work. So Jesus, going to his death, was able to say, it is finished. I have completed your work, God. I have done all that you required of me in your marching orders. Completed it well. 
done what is pleasing and fulfilling to God and God's purpose. It is finished. Can we, will we be able to say one day with absolute confidence, it is finished. It is finished. Because for all of us, there is going to be a day of judgment. And it's not simply about my salvation, whether I made that commitment to Jesus Christ at some point in my life. I am saved. I am going to heaven. Seems to me, part of the day of judgment will be, what have you done with the gifts I have given you? How have you worked toward my kingdom? What difference have you made in the life of a child? In noticing an elderly person who no longer has the confidence. Dedicating our lives to being part of God's purpose for his creation is nothing less than that. He has set down his work for all of us to do. Wherever we're planted, whatever our situation, we are about our Father's work. I've told you before, I sing to myself regularly an old Wesleyan hymn. It's actually an Anglican hymn. The Anglicans claim it anyway. I want to sing to you the first verse. Not all of it. I'm not asking you to sing it, but if you know it, sing along with me. It'll be on the screen, the words. Yes, there it is, the first verse. Can I just explain, because it's old Elizabethan language. Forth in thy name. In other words, I go out today carrying the name of Jesus Christ. I go out to do my work, my daily labor. And when I do this every day, I resolve to know you, God, in what I think, in what I speak, and in what I do. I think that's an amazing charge for all of us in going about the work of God. So join me, because the old voice is a bit rough these days. If you know those words and sing with me. Forth in thy name, O Lord, I go. gentlemen, and if you thought, what a crazy old hymn, please take the words home as a prayer and at least pray them. We haven't got a concluding song today. I want to encourage you, if in any way you've struggled with part of my message, come forward to the front. Can I ask the elders to be watching the front and to be available to minister if need be. There is a cup of tea at the back.
blessings to you this week. In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.